This is the Detroit is Different Podcast Network, the culture of an American classic city. My Natural Hair is a live experience where you can come out and witness the show, meet the host, and have your questions answered. Every Sunday at 2 p.m. at Detroit SIP, located between University of Detroit Mercy and Mary Grove College at 7420 West McNichols, Detroit, Michigan. Join My Natural Hair every Sunday at 2 p.m. to experience the culture and the movement. Subscribe, like, and share on Apple iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher to the My Natural Hair podcast and don't miss the how-to lessons, styles, and love of natural hair. You're listening to the Piper Carter Podcast on the Detroit is Different Podcast Network. Welcome to the Piper Carter podcast with your host, Piper Carter. In the building, we have our token millennial, Brittany. Hey, Piper. So just want to... Give your aunt some love on the air. I appreciate that, Piper. And want all the viewers to give, or listeners to give your love, uh, some love to your aunt as well. Yes, much needed, and I appreciate you taking the time to do that. In other words, I did miss you. This is my favorite day of the week right here. It's so. mine too? Seriously. Okay. So, so um, all right. Okay, some new stuff that we have. Oh, you know what? 
I want to shout out um, Jaira, our new intern and engineer that is uh, doing a great job. We really appreciate you. And I know you didn't want to get on the mic, but here's some love for you anyway. Kisses. And um, and so the reason I want to bring on uh, our guest today is because, Brittany, you and I always have these millennial conversations, right? Mm-hmm. So, well, I should, I should say generational conversations because yeah. I'm a Gen Xer and you're the millennial. But I'm like, you're like the millennial that's like the Gen Xer. <laughs> and I'm the Gen Xer that's more like a millennial. But... Um, <laughs> We, but we always have these conversations about civic engagement and, you know, this kind of thing. So um, I wanted my next or the, or today's guest to come on because I think that he's a great person to actually um, reach um, both our demographics um, with regard to being civically engaged. So um, Norm is a husband, a father. Uh, he's an advocate. He's an activist. He is an entrepreneur, and he is the one of the heads of the Detroit chapter of Hip Hop Caucus, and he also has his own organization called Detroit Change Initiative. So I want to welcome you, Norm, to our podcast. Thank you for coming and agreeing to be on here. Thank you for having me, and blessings going out to yes. your aunt. Thank you. So excited to be here to talk about the importance of women's education and this being engaged in civic service. We appreciate it. It's nice to meet you. And I called you Norm, but um, your name is Norman Clement, right? Yes. Okay. So, um, so, and I just wanted to um, say as well that I'm really honored to also now be a part of the Detroit chapter of um, Hip Hop Caucus. Oh, no. So, yeah, it's, it's really long overdue. You've been mm. doing this work longer than I have. So, I mean, you know. Surprised no one reached out to you before, but (laughs) (laughs) it's a no brainer that, you know. No, but congratulations. I don't know, you know, the back end of that is, is that Piper sent me when she uh, got the position. So she was really, really excited about that and I fulfilled the excitement. So I'm, I'm very happy to have you guys uh, have her. Oh yeah. yeah. We're happy to have her um, on board. I mean, you know, she is passionate about, the community yeah about you know what's happening out here so it was again you know i'm surprised that this hasn't happened before because some of the circles we traveled before i always just assume right, right that right. oh i know she's a part of the caucus and, right right and i was like oh well, she's not i said okay let's invite her on and yeah. talk to uh headquarters up and say how about you feel about piper joining so, oh, yeah, we know Piper. She's cool. <laughs> like, oh, oh, so how come she, no one asked her before? It's like, no one didn't ask her. I said, oh, well, she's on. I love that her. was it. So, so it's cool. And um, shouts out to Jerome as well. Yeah. You okay. know, shout part of Jerome. Detroit chapter. And um, shouts out to LaRon, you know, coin right. handlers, right? Right. LaRon Harris, coin handlers, um, big advocate for the people, hip hop. Uh, aficionado and right. putting a lot of people on and taking care of people's careers, mm. right. <laughs> right? People's musical careers. Uh, yeah, and, and you La- know. And Leron has been instrumental. He's been the background. You know, doesn't like take a lot of credit, but you know, stuff that's happened to Detroit, far as you know, groups coming to Detroit, working with kids on youth sub- summer jams or okay. summer days. That was Leron putting it. Understood. I'm a, Laron Mab, I'm gonna put your project. That was him putting it together, bringing the artists in, 
uh, working with local artists, local talent too. So, Lerone, and he's bringing major artists. And this, major. I was just gonna say, it's good yeah. y'all are uh, giving him that voice because we, as the consumer, we don't think about stuff like that. We just see so and so is gonna be in our city on this date, and we going and we buying a ticket, and we don't think about the management that goes into getting that done. Right, and then also we never think about the management that is locally from Detroit. Right. A lot of management there. Also, another caucus member, Anthony Thompson. Shout out to Anthony. He does that work also. So there's a lot of talent here when everybody says, well, Detroit don't have any artists or Detroit don't have nobody behind the scenes. I mean, that's a damn lie. I mean, Detroit has tons of guys behind the scenes working with artists and everything. So that love to give back to the community, love to see what's going on, love to do this work. Awesome, man. So let's do this. Let's talk about... Um, first, let's talk about Hip Hop Caucus okay. so that people know, like, you know, what it is. So tell us, because I know some people are sitting like, Hip Hop Caucus? Right. Right. So so um, for those who know nothing, right, about Hip Hop Caucus, like, what is Hip Hop Caucus? Uh, Hip Hop Caucus is a group that wants to speak for empowering the communities that have been impacted first by injustice and racism that can't speak for themselves. Uh, it came out of the voter die initiative. Okay. Respect my vote with Reverend run. And we've been starting this work, uh, for over like 10, 10 years now. What we do is try to raise a voter education, voter awareness. Also, we get with people who are from the communities who are hip hop artists that want to speak back and be in a comfortable background, to, able to express their issues through an avenue, which through Hip Hop Caucus. Um, climate change is effective. Climate change as far as environmental climate change and also gentrification is climate change. Or climate has been changed mm-hmm. that. So we reach out to many avenues where we talk about here. Um, and we also uh, we do a lot of political, get into the political reign as far as, you know, Issues in our community, um, we try to talk to, try to be, you know, we try not to choose a candidate or anything like that, but we mostly like to hold candidates accountable. Okay. I was going to say lay a foundation. So lay a foundation. So I'm trying to word it like, you know, basically, you know, if you're not about, if you're not going to represent us or our issues, You'll be held accountable at the voting ballot. And that's where we're trying to preach, work with our communities about that. Like the people who are running elections work for you. They actually work for you. You could hold them accountable, you could call them, you could touch them, local elections. They work for you. It's not like, well, you know, a crystal ball, you see them on TV. Uh, sometimes they get people get standoffish, but no, they work for you. It's, I'm laughing. I'm over here chuckling because Piper is a mastermind. I'm not even trying to, you know, big her head up. <laughs> but it's funny because, like, uh, two episodes ago, two episodes ago, we had uh, Michigan Voice on, and they talked about laying the foundation of letting people know the importance of how to vote, when to vote, just laying the the, the easy foundation of that. Then last week we had an econ discussion and a capitalism discussion that led into talking a little bit about voting. And it was funny because we got into what the importance is of voting on a local level. 
And, you know, one of my biggest things is, okay, we talked about it is, is once the person is in office, how do we as a community hold those people accountable? Oh. And to, to, I, I looked at her and just laughed because this is what we're, um, you know, that this is what you do. Yeah. What you do is if they're in office, does that mean you stop, you call them? You call the secretary, you call their <laughs> office, you can come in, you can make an appointment. They're your local official. From precinct delegate all the way up to congressman, the Senate, you could go into them and reach out to them and talk to them. Mm. If they try to avoid you or not, you know, not speak to you, then you know what to do when it comes two years or six years or four years around. Okay, I could pick another candidate to run against you that should speak to my issues or our issues. And that's how you hold them accountable, by putting someone else out there. Understood. And that's how you do it. Now, it's tedious, yeah, but, you know, what is important to you? It's important to have streetlights on. It's important to have, uh, you know, a safe neighborhood. It's important to have access to health care. It's important to all those stuff. So you have to speak a voice to that. You just When you don't speak to that, that election official may think everything's all good, and he's going to do what he's going to do. So you have to hold him accountable and stuff like that, you know. So you guys are doing this on a national level and using the same uh, narrative and spreading it out to each each city the same and using the same platform to get the things accomplished that you want to get accomplished? Yes, at the Hip Hop Caucus, we are. We're using the same net, uh, same platform, but this year we're doing a little bit different. Okay. Uh, this year, uh, this is the past year's experience from 2016 into now. The difference in 2016, and to be honest, was that, number one, people were kind of people didn't understand how voting works and disillusion about the process people thought okay we put a black man in office we got these people in here we're gonna sit back and let the magic happen and everything's gonna be fine we didn't know that in 2008 we put him in in 2010 Barack needed our help because guess what half that congress went to the republicans so he lost the house couldn't get enough done. He did a lot in those first two years, but even in those two years, the Democrats were on. He had the House and the Senate. Some of those Democrats didn't fully support him. We as a people should have been on the phones with those senators, those congressmen that didn't support him in 08, 09 with the initiative to make him do the support he needed to do. They waffled on that, and they lost 2010. They lost the House and Senate. Also, local elections, they lost over 1,000 seats. So we sat back and like, oh, we did it. Everything's all right. The dream has been fulfilled, and we did nothing. Then eight years go, go by, we complain, well, no, Barack ain't do nothing. Well, you know, he ain't do nothing. What did he actually do for black people? I hear this all the time. Well, what he did for black people is more black business was started between those eight years than anything else ever happened before. He eased the banks. Uh, he eased the banks were easy for uh, minorities to get um, mm. homeowners, home homes, and also easy to get business loans for that time. I mean, I started my business during that eight-year period. Mm. And um, what they also did is made it easy for access for anybody to get into the stock market. Before 2008, you had to have like at least 10000 lump cash to get into the stock market. Now, anybody can get into it. They changed the laws. They they changed some of the laws back, but he still could be able to get I into see what it. You're yeah, so there's a lot of things you could do. Now he a lot of things he's done, but people sit back and look on the big carrot like, 
okay, Brock is in, he's going to give me something, and my life is going to be straight. No, it doesn't work that way. You still have to keep fighting. And now, when 2016 happened, a lot of people were, you know, I'm mad, I don't like Hillary, I want to protest my vote. And the time to protest your vote is always during the primary. The primaries can let the person know, hey, you can work for your side. You know, you can work for your Bernie Sanders at the time. But at the end of the day, once that happens, you have to choose between who you're going to work with. If you lost, then, you know, you got to pick somebody who will meet your standards, what you need, where you're at in life. When people protest the vote, orange guy got in, all hell's breaking loose. Now people are upset and mad. What are we going to do now they're ready to vote? Hopefully this time it's just not just voting for the House and Senate, but be engaged every time, every election about holding the election, being those officials accountable. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so that's the breakdown where we're trying to educate the people on, like, hey, this is an ongoing process. Very right. interesting. Yeah. So how does um, Reverend Yearwood fit into Hip Hop Caucus? Well, Reverend Yearwood started, was one of the founders that have been approached to start this Hip Hop Caucus. I mean, Yearwood's been doing this work for can't say how many years he's been doing it, but he's been doing it for a long time. So mm-hmm. your work sits on the board of people climate movement, uh, climate change. He's been uh, talking about that specifically because black and brown communities are the first person to impact it. Louisiana down there, they're impacted with the high tide. Some of the um, natives who are indigenous Americans who have um, who live on that coastline been impacted by climate change. They have to move because the water's right. Mm-hmm. In our community, you know what happened in Flint, mm-hmm. climate change right there. You know, that wasn't climate change. That was capitalism. At Man-made. Course. Man-made climate yeah. change. But it was a climate change. Yeah. So, and also in Indiana, parts of Indiana, that was affected by pollution, climate, mm-hmm. man-made pollution, climate change. So, Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico is... Houston. Houston that's uh, all climate change. Houston, yeah. Detroit right now... Um, there's a impact on climate change in Detroit, too, that anyone knows the weather patterns have kind of changed the mm-hmm. seasons right here. So uh, a lot of things are... A lot of man-made climate change. A lot of man-made climate change. A lot of capitalism climate change. Yeah. You know, certain things happen. A lot of environmental issues are incinerator. Um, right. We've got, you know, the water shutoffs causing the hepatitis epidemic. Mm. Right. We've got... Because um, one building, one shuts off. that just... Because, like, on the blocks, what we got explained before, where they shut off the water on those blocks, how it messes up the other people that live right. on the block. You know what I'm saying? And that, that's, that's not only shut off of water. Have y'all noticed the past in the neighborhoods where they're changing the gas lines mm. in the in the nicer areas mm. of Detroit? Um, they shut the water off and on constantly. Mm. So when that happens, the water lead levels are affected. Right. So during yeah. the time period, even my kids, hey, let's not drink the water up the sink or the filter. Right. Right now, hey, we get the bottled water until we can filter the system out. Right. So a lot of people would not, a lot of people don't have knowledge of that. You know, there's a company called PSG that comes around. They're not telling the one when they shut your water off, oh, we're fixing the gas lines to make the gas lines better. But at the same time, you shut the water off and on in a couple of blocks, shut the mm-hmm. power off and on. That does something, and especially with the older homes, historical homes. Yeah. The piping, it does something. I to was that. just about mm-hmm. to say that. That's one of the things I learned through that episode is that the piping, it going mm-hmm. back and forth, the, the 
Hype, that's not good. No, no. Climate change. Climate change. Right. Also, lead change. Mm. You know, it's it's affected everywhere. It's affecting them. So, um, tell us about some of the um, initiatives that the local chapter, the Detroit chapter of um, Hip Hop Caucus has coming up. Oh, we have a couple soon, of, yeah. soon coming up. We're doing a canvassing event on November 3rd about getting out the vote. Also, we're pretty much going to be supporting any nonprofit about getting out the vote. Uh, any concert events we're going to have, like Promise Getting Out the Vote. Uh, there's a couple of events here with uh, Detroit, uh, Detroit Eight Spot. We'll be serving anything about getting out the vote. Our goal is to make sure everyone gets out the vote. I'm not, not sure who you vote for. But you have to vote. And also be educated about your vote. Now, we can't educate you about your vote. What what pertains to you? What matters to you? How will that help you? And also voting in your own interests. Not where you want to be, but where you want to be interested. If you're not a millionaire or billionaire right now, you need to vote in your own interests. For your path. <laughs> For your path. For your path, yes. Not your end not your end goal. Not your end goal. Oh, like because mm-hmm. sometimes people confuse, well, if I was a millionaire, I wouldn't be taxed. Well, you're not. That's funny. <laughs> I mean, but it's true though. But yeah. you have to vote in your own interest and actually look in your life right now what will help you to do, attain your goal. So mm-hmm. yeah, so this is a little bit education voting, but um we are a partner with a couple of the groups with Michigan Voice. Here we have a partnership. Also, we're working with uh, Teen Hype, another group that is coming on board. We're working with the youth. Trying to get everybody out to vote. Uh, hopefully, close to the election, we will get, you know, high schools will be passing out flyers on member to vote. Because mm-hmm. high schools are closed on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. So, the importance is to make sure Monday, those seniors who are 17 or me who are 18 years old are able to vote in this election. Mm-hmm. Make sure they go vote. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you are, you know, you're 17, you turn 18 that day, you're, you're able to vote on that day. You're registered to vote. Make sure mm-hmm. you vote on that day. Mm-hmm. Make sure what are you voting for? Mm-hmm. Understand the issues that pertain to you and everything. So, mm-hmm. uh, we're just blasting out citywide, making sure everybody get out to vote. Our goal is to make sure every precinct has a long run. Mm-hmm. So, okay, I'm going to ask you a question that I always see. What is, um, so I see like, you know, uh, a lot of people are very disgruntled um, about, you know, just voting in general. I've seen a lot of like, I'm just going to say it, like Nick Cannon had a campaign talking about too broke to vote. I saw Alicia Keys was on there kind of supporting like people not voting. I saw Boyce Watkins that really upset me was there talking about, um, actually Boyce Watkins accused T.I. of being paid by the Democrats. But I think what he saw was the, um, the hip hop caucus T.I. marketing and people were just confused about that. But, um, yeah, he, but like Boyce Watkins got like 300,000 subscribers on his YouTube channel and sitting up there talking about, telling people not to vote. I just feel like that's very irresponsible. I feel like the most vulnerable populations of people that listen to hip hop, that, you know, listen to Boyce Watkins, that that pay attention to Nick Cannon, you know what I'm saying? Those are the people that they're talking to. And these are the most impacted communities. Like, you know what I'm saying? That they're telling like black men and, you know, people that have been, um, you know, uh, what should I say, you know, recently released or 
you know, people that are reentering society, returning citizens, returning citizens. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is really, really damaging. And to me, I feel like it's really damaging in our communities because we just heard the numbers today about the percentages of people in in our communities who are actually voting. And I want to say, is it like five to seven percent? It's five or seven percent. And I'm going to say this. That's kind of really irresponsible. Also, I always ask, what's your agenda on doing that? Because if you're telling people, you're in a position where if you are at the height of a Nick Cannon or those type of guys who are, you know, who are, who are econ- who have economic economically sound, mm-hmm. you have wealth. Right. That voting doesn't really matter to you because you're in another class system. Mm-hmm. So you're telling people. Remember, you're pro- you're pro- you are in the wealthy. I mean, you're an elite. I mean, you're in the wealthy class system. Right. So. With class, you're, that doesn't pertain to you because at the end of the day, you will be all right. You're right. in a certain class where a voting or a certain decision will not mm-hmm. be able, it won't matter to you. Yeah. But when you talk to people who are not in that class, mm-hmm. who are you know either poor, working poor, work a working class, working class, mm-hmm. middle class, mm-hmm. or you know or upper class, elections matter to them. Mm-hmm. It matters to them, those classes. And let's be honest about class. Classes are based on not how much you make a year. It's based on how much money you have in the savings mm-hmm. where you can not work right. and get, not change your lifestyle for the next three to four years. Right. That's what class is. It's not about how much. It's never been about how much you make. Because mm-hmm. you can make a million dollars every two years, but you live in check to check because you're paying income. Mm-hmm. One's coming in, one's coming out. Right. So when you do that, you tell people don't vote, don't vote because mm-hmm. this, this, this. Then you don't have a plan. You know, then yeah. what? And then also you only You don't have an alternative. Alternative. Yeah. And then also you're only saying don't vote during election year. Now, mm-hmm. I don't see you now mm-hmm. I don't see you after election year. After after election year, I don't see you in 2017 mobilizing anybody. <laughs> I don't see you in two, pre-2018 mobilizing the initiative out here getting people to educate on there, yeah. getting a movement, creating your own, uh, creating your own, um, your, your own party or something like that, a people's mm-hmm. platform party or anything. I don't see none of that. Only thing I see is on election time, you guys are doing a, no, nah, nah, don't vote, hold the vote, and then they'll have to come and negotiate. Whoa. No, they, No, they don't. Right. No, they don't. Because what will happen is, is you don't vote. Mm-hmm. You guys get infected. The people who get infected first are the those who are in that lower class mm-hmm. that get infected first. You will get targeted by the police. Right. You get your Even laws more. changed. Yeah. You will mess around and also get your uh, when taxes come around and stuff like that. You know, Nick Cannon them got a tax benefit. He's in that right. class. Right. You pay less taxes now. Right. Where those poor working class and working citizens got to pay more class. That election, that tax break, that affected the people that you tell them not to vote. Yeah. So you have to be conscious of that, what's going on. If you're not creating another party or allowing yourself to get an action network going on between those other dates or going nothing, then, sorry, miss me with that bullshit. That's what I'm going <laughs> to say. say. That's all I got to say with that. Yeah. Well, okay, so another thing is... um. We do see the caucus, like you were saying, like um, being able to uh, get 
celebrities and things to endorse, um, you know, the idea of voting and for people, you know, to use their voice and for people to participate and for people to become civically engaged. And so um, I'm just wondering, like, in the time when it's not, like, uh, the voting time, like, do we have, you know, things that, you know what I'm saying, things that um, that we can do to, like, keep folks engaged? Because, like, I mean, it's, it's kind of like the flip of the opposite, the, the flip, you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Like, what kind of stuff, you know, is, is going on, like, when we... Because we've got 2020 coming up, right? Right. And so after, so this election is like in three weeks. And um, that's going to be our Senate. That's going to be, you know, um, a lot of our, a lot of, we got like all these ballot initiatives. We're going to talk about some of this other stuff later. But um, this is what they call midterm. They try to make it seem like it's not important, but it's super important um, because it can flip a lot of things. And I'm wondering, like moving into 2020, We've got a lot of heavy lifting, you know what I'm saying, to do to get more people engaged. Because like I said, this one is three weeks away, so whoever's going to vote, going to vote. But look into 2020, you know what I'm saying, like um, what do you see as some great strategies and things? I mean, in, in addition to, you know, getting the celebrities and then and then how do we get people like, oh, I'm about to vote, you know, for 2020. <laughs> I think that our charge here is to get people out to vote as much as we can right now because in Michigan itself, the gerrymandering uh, Prop 2 is very important. Okay. That's the one where we could change the voting districts up where they actually look like the people who represent them. Okay. And the people who represent us that vote, we can actually put people in the legislative office to effectively affect change on the city of Detroit, the state of Michigan. Mm-hmm. That is important. And okay. from now on, from that, I would like to see from this one is that we're engaging people. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the groups I started with the Detroit Change Initiative is that, okay, after you vote, people are still are happy or still people want to still do some work, but also people need services. Mm-hmm. So some of the things we could do is steer them to certain nonprofits that have those services. Mm-hmm. If you definitely, if you worked out, you could campaign, you're volunteering, you're working, but at the same time, you know, you're having trouble playing your DTE bill. Mm-hmm. It's something for a non- other nonprofits to steer you in the area. Of, hey, okay, there's something over there that can help you with get your DTE bill on mm-hmm. and stuff. And also, when people advocate and do this work, people actually like doing this work. Yeah. This, this is one of the jobs where you can actually talk to people. Mm-hmm. You can actually connect with people. So there's some services down the road that, you know, to connect to some job training mm-hmm. programs. Also, be able to have skills in computering. This should be another avenue where we could actually take the skills, the skills, actually put them in the right direction to be able to get some employment, right. or future employment down. Mm-hmm. Um, not promising everything, but also giving them avenues of where they can meet their needs that yeah. some certain needs that they can have. Right. So, what happens is, is that you create that environment in the community. People say, "Well, you know what? I voted, and I got with this group." And then after that, man, you know, they kept they kept in contact with me. Mm-hmm. They got me hooked up at this place and stuff like that. So that person can be an advocate of voting. Mm-hmm. So our job in 2020, we still need to do it, work, but it's a lot less easier because we could come back. Well, voting don't matter. You know, that person could say, oh, it mattered to me. I went to Canvas and mm-hmm. it changed my life. It changed this life. That's what happens to voting and getting mm-hmm. engaged. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens. So yeah. what um, do you think, Brittany? I was going to ask. Um, about agendas. 
So does the agenda for the community come first and then finding the correct candidate that supports the community's agenda or is it the other way around? I, I think. And does the agenda get built now? So the first agenda, I'm, I'm over talking, but the first agenda, of course, in 2020 is not to have the same president that we have in there now, I would assume, right? And then maybe. And then after. Not necessarily. Okay. We, that's saying, here's my point. The agenda should be about, first of all, madly about, number one, having someone to run and represent what the needs of the community, holistically, building from the ground up, who represents the values of, not representing big business values, not representing white supremacist values, not representing this values, also true to the word. Now, you can run against, have someone who is, is not Trump, but is Trump-like in certain things, <laughs> Well, you're focused on just get Trump out, and then we put somebody in. Trump, and then it creates the same process. So that's where you're going. So the thing is that we want someone in that understands that. Look, this is what we need. We need health care. We need, you know, we need minimum wage needs to be raised back up. We need uh, consumer protection agencies happen right now. We also need a. Um, we also need immigration reform. Finally, an immigration status, status for the people who are here, who came here now, they own, who are dreamers. We need some protection for them. And also, we need protection of, you know, uh, you know, uh, jail sentencing laws, justice, criminal justice reform, all that sentences, all the sentencing going on, regulation. And also, we also need, honestly, talking about the systemic racism that's brought into this structure of the United States of America. We need to talk about that. That needs to systematically needs to change. And the thing about that is that the Constitution is designed to be changed. Mm. That's the beauty of it. Everybody says the Constitution, I'll buy by the lines of those constitutions, and that's it. Mm. But the Constitution is designed to be changed all the time. Mm. That's the beauty of the document. So we want somebody to come in and understand that and represent us for that. Now, who, who, whoever could run the next time, that's what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking for someone that best meets that, go, that goal. And, um, and also climate. And climate. And that's mm-hmm. like probably right now with the new stat came out and oh, we, to, we, we, to people we're hearing about like. Did you hear about this, Brittany? We basically got 13 years to Before change. Before we're all dead. Yeah. The United Nations. Like 13 years, if we do not change the course, New York City will be flooded. Yeah, it said everyone on the planet will die if, if we don't change. 13 years. That's what, it, that's what the U.S. Basically, said. comments say, like, the, the polar ice shift, because how... So, my question, the mainstream media, mainstream media and, and, and people that quote, with quotations around the power, what were their response? What was the response to that? Well, mainstream media is a... I say it is a... It is a white conservative uh, supremacist uh, term mm. that is used only against those who are spitting out facts. Mm. When they say, well, the mainstream media, no, because Fox <laughs> News is a mainstream media. Like, and that's why I'm asking. And that's why I'm asking. So, like, Fox News is like a, a mainstream, you know, these guys' job is not, they're not, some of them are facts that those journalists, a lot of them are propagandists. Propagandists. You know, corporate corporation capitalists, 
that front as conservatives. They're mm-hmm. not even real true conservatives or Republicans. Yeah, actually, so, even like uh, channels like CBS, ABC, a lot of those uh, news stories are actually written by CIA and FBI. I'm agents. just curious to how, with that being said, what their response was. What the response was, you know, you saw some new agencies were like, oh, wow. Oh, they talk about it. I mean, you saw MSNBC talked about it, CNN talked about it, because you have to talk about it. Right, because it came from the United came, Nations. It came from the United Nations, yeah. and also it came from, they're in New York City. Right. <laughs> so, well, I'm curious because the, my only experience in United Nations making bold statements like that is last year, it was released that the United Nations says that after doing thorough review, that black people are owed re- reparations. And right. it got a tiny press run. And then it dissolved. Yeah. And so that's just curious. Right, just curious. Well, but there's yeah, declaration, then there's implementation. Right. right. And also, you got to determine the word black because they were talking about the descendants of slaves. Descendants right. of slaves. Listen, it's just a the long... day that the United States talking about they about to cut some checks. <laughs> Do you know how long that line gonna be with people with blonde hair and blue eyes from Scandinavian <laughs> but the, the, roots talking about some I'm black? But, I need my cherry. But I'm I'm just saying but we need reparations now. Yes. And now reparations I respect now. them because we it, it just is unreal to me that like I'm like Piper started in the beginning, like I'm really never by my phone. I'm not if I'm looking at something that's something hip hop related. The stuff I, I am educating myself, I have my own, you know, my mm. own ways, my own paths I follow. But to me, that should be the first phone call I get. That should be something that... What should? 13 years? Yeah. Are you... I don't need that... If someone makes a, <laughs> if someone makes a statement about a... a that's a decade. Low-key, right. that's a decade. It right. takes me three years to even yeah. do the research to see how I'm going right. to... So it's a decade. Right. So if someone... That, to me, even somebody making that got, statement... They already got the... Uh, I'm on 10. They already the, got the, the, the territory carved out on Mars. You know, Elon Musk, you want to get on that... Uh, that, that, that you know that what he did? He did. He did. Uh, he, did he did cut a check <laughs> with the SEC today, so that is kind of strange. But mm. to, go, to go back on your point with... Wait, SEC, because some people might not know. The what SEC is a Security Exchange Commission. And, and, and just tell us why that's important. Because what happened was Elon Musk at the time was thinking about taking Tesla private. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what happened was when he was talking about taking Tesla private, a lot of investors, you know, Tesla's worth, maybe the stock was worth like $280 per share. Mm-hmm. And at that time, a lot of oh, investors were selling their stock off. And come to find out, he was like, yeah, psych. I ain't gonna do it. Right, but he got in big trouble. Yeah, he got in big trouble because you know there's a lot of millions. Oh yeah, so that's when that's the old girl, the the, the artist. Uh, what's her name? Azalea Banks came out again. Like she was at his house or something like that. It was right. a lot of noise, and then he they she made a statement, and he got in some trouble about it. Or right, I heard like, a yeah, yeah. So her. basically, yeah. like, nah, I'm was never gonna do that. So I don't know how the Ziggy Banks time. I might how she might have spilled the beans, whatever. Something like that. that. But what ended up happening is that you know a lot of investors are like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, right? What's and they up? Whoa, 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 wait. That's my money. I, I took yeah. I took a loss on those shares. And there was a lot, a lot, a lot of like. So he he basically overstepped, like, because you know when you're a corporation, it's uh, different than being an entrepreneur. You right. know what I'm saying? 
So if you're an entrepreneur, you own your business, so you speak for your business. But when you're um, an when you're uh, head of a corporation, and you're public, and you're public, you're not speaking for. I mean, you you they, Elon Musk is like you know the face, but like there's a whole bunch of other people that were like, wait a minute, that's our money. So they put a muzzle on his mouth. <laughs> they, you. Because he was leaking. He about to leak the company. And they basically told him, like, if you want to, you know, if you want to continue to keep your company that you started, then. And it's interesting, right? Right. Because that's some boldness, too. Because it's like, who wants to be a part of Tesla without Elon Musk? Right. Right. I don't know. But I anyway, see what you're saying. That's how, that's how bold these, these white people be bold like that. Like, <laughs> I mean, it, it, it best, is. Best poker face. But yeah, but the, going back to United Nations and uh, <laughs> you're talking about far as reparations. And I've done some research on that. And that has a lot to tie with, you know, land, nation, and mm. where you come from. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Now, my opinion, my research, I still, this may be unpopular to say, you can find a dinosaur bone from a million years ago, but I can't find one slave ship that's still intact. Oh, we can, we can, we, hey, that's a, hey, hey, that's a, hey, Everybody didn't come over uh, on right. the boat. No, hey. we can agree. And that's that, that's, a, that's that, a fact. And Agreed. that is a, like another deep That's Ivan Van Serta. Ivan Van Serta, I'm right. with it. You know, I'm with it. Before Columbus. We got we to gotta know. So that's, I mean, it's that's mo- documented that's fact. That's documented yeah. fact. Yeah. And, yeah. You, and you can't be, del- you cannot allow yourself to be But I will say this. I'm with you. I'm with you. So that ties probably ties into, we already have a system. We can get it, but that's another avenue to take and what's what I like about it is that now in this conscious wave where everybody's waking up everybody's being mm-hmm. politically minded mm-hmm. everybody's going this going that those books that we never found man people are like I could I, this is why I could give credit to millennials I'm not I'm the millennial basher because at the same time <laughs> no I'm not because here's the thing I'm a Gen Xer I'm 40 years old and the thing is that my issue with me has always been with the baby boomers, and here's why. The baby boomers were the last to get a true value education. Right. They got home ec, reading, writing. They got all that stuff. Mechanic. Mechanic, everything. Mm-hmm. They plus led, engineering. Plus science, engineering and all that. They also, mm-hmm. you know, you guys led the struggle. You did. You marched. You did all that. My problem was is that when you guys got theirs, mm-hmm. you guys voted for Reagan. Yeah, y'all voted for less taxes. Right, y'all all voted about for the Benjamins. And y'all voted for you know you know these super criminals. Y'all voted for the super yeah. criminal administration. Mm-hmm. My issue with them is that when they got theirs, mm-hmm. that was it, and they, they shut took, the door. They shut the door, and they took education from Gen X. Yeah, we got a little bit of. We didn't get what we got from yeah. they got. Yeah, and then you guys suffer from millennials yeah. because the gen- uh, baby boomers, well, I want to pay for this, I want to pay for that. Mm-hmm. And so education was whittled down to nothing. Y'all got experimented on with charter schools or this initiative and that initiative. And then they want to come out and say, well, the baby boomers, uh, we know the millennials well, are like this and that. It's, it all strings together with the right. W.E.B. DeBoer theory that I go, I work hard, I, I, I do a little bit of c- civic duty, 
I go to college, I get a job, I do the same thing that the white man. Are you talking about the talent of the 10th? Do the same thing. Do the same thing to look up and realize that no matter what I do, I am systematically engaged on a hamster wheel. And I think with WDB Du Bois, and it's it's it it strings us all together. Because to your point, I'm I'm affected by it. But until we all realize that we're all strung together by the same issue or poisoned by the same berry, right? Then there's no difference in us, right? And I think what the boys was trying to talk about was that that top talented tenth, even though there was a, a caste system within that, but even with the talented tenth, that tenth will stay in the community and will raise up everybody else. That didn't happen. Right. Well, when, well, I, when, I, say, when, I, down when I say right. when I say the w, <laughs> when I say the W E B the of the boy theory, that theory, but my theory within itself that it took for him to live life to understand. I think at the end of his life, he realized that none of that mattered. I think he has written articles and books that said, I am still a funny thing. You say that because sorry, (laughs) but but funny thing you said that because he did realize that when he was, couldn't go back. Mm -hmm. And and, And my man's theory were, both right. Who is that? Booker T. Booker mm-hmm. T. Mm-hmm. See, because I'm because right. I'm an alumnus of Hampton University, right. and uh, shouts out. Uh, shouts out to Hampton University. Wait, you know, but I went to Howard. The real issue. <laughs> uh, it hasn't been real in a long time. Shout out to Howard. I guess it's time for me to leave and this I, podcast. No, it's all good. <laughs> but you know what? If I can do it, uh, I can do it all, all over again. HBCU love. I was gonna say if I could do it all over again, I promise you, I would have been HBCU. But back with even with Booker T. And the issue with Booker T was talking about is that Booker T was talking about gaining economic control first, right? And dealing with and, and dealing, also, and it was both uh, right. mastering and also mastering the land, land. Oh, but sorry. mastering the land, sorry. right? And Agriculture, was, well, mastering yeah. the land. And what happened was when when Booker T was talking about that, the boys was against that. Yeah, because the, that was seen as uh, going backwards, right? But and, you know, but the funny thing is that but the funny thing is that this who took the who what the Jewish Americans at the time took the same idea what Booker T was talking about and implemented that same plan. They all they, they, they yes. <laughs> I'm just not, just not bashing everybody, but they did it. They took it. They took the economic control. They went in. They got their land back over there or Palestine. However that happened. They got it back, and they controlled the land. Well, no, they didn't get it back. They took it. They took it. But yeah. at the same time, they got it. Yeah, they And they took the same process the what Booker T was talking about. And we have to understand that that we have to understand going back to the back and forth with the millennials and them. Mm-hmm. We should not be bashing millennials Agreed. anything like that. So all the millennials, I said, I don't bash them. But the thing I do give y'all credit is that you guys are open up to knowledge. And I think that the older class can't deal with that because, you know, you guys are not programmed the same like they were programmed. You can't be lied to. I can't lie to you. That's true. You've been lied to. That's it right there. That's it. (laughs) I mean, you guys have been lied. Yeah. You know what a lie is. But the thing is, is the thing is, is that we are still learning. We're still getting better. And a lot of us are turning the curve, including myself, because. And to the con to it is, is that there is inf- there is so much information that I can I, I can look at, I can choose to look at. The same thing, I can go to the library and choose to be in the nonfiction section. I can be in the sci-fi section. So it's where I choose to be. If I choose all day to look at world star hip hop and media takeout, believe me, there is enough for me to go to bed with. But if I choose to say, okay, 
I'm about to only follow the people that are talking about these agendas, these things on Instagram. I'm gonna choose to 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 read this month to only read these things. Then yes, the age of information is working at its best. But if I choose to allow the age of information to curve me in a way right. that is not productive, I'm a baby boomer. Oh yeah. Well, I just want to say one thing, and then I know it's an old point, but we could keep going forward. And I don't know the year because I wasn't living here, but um, whatever year Detroit turned um, 300, I believe, um, they actually brought an actual slave ship to the dock of, uh, you know, where Hart Plaza is. Interesting. And they had a whole ceremony. And I only know this because, um, you know, I have friends that drum. Shouts out mm-hmm. to one of my friends that does African drumming. And um, they hired um, Queen Mother. If you guys know um, Queen Mother, she um, does a lot of blessings and things like okay. that. A lot of government agencies hire her. Like when they had um, unearthed those mounds and those pyramids that are um, under... Um, Fort, what's the name of this fort that's down here in Southwest? It'll come. Oh, to I know what you mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, when they unearthed those, she they they send her in first to like do the um the blessing, and to so they could go in and excavate. And uh, right. then when uh, they sent the when they brought the slave ship, they brought it to the dock. And so for those of you, I'm gonna just tell you really quickly who don't know um what Detroit is. Detroit sits on the very tip. Um, and of a body of water, um, the Detroit River. Jeez. And then when you cross over that, you will be in Canada. So this is, so we have, um, a spot called Hart Plaza, which is the very tip where, um, people that were previously enslaved, our ancestors blessed them. Um, and they would go when this is the Underground Railroad territory. So all downtown Detroit, you have the um, Second Baptist Church and the various, um, landmarks where, where um, abolitionists and different people were um, keeping, you know, our previously enslaved folks. Yes. And then they would, um, once they would come through the roots that Harriet Tubman, um, you know, brought them through, then they would end up there and they crossed over either through swimming or through boats or through, you know, these various um, methods. There is actually a, two statues. One, um, they're twin statues. One sits right there um at Hart Plaza, and it's at the um, the edge of the water, and you'll see um, like a family with um, you know children and everything, and um, that represents the people who uh, made it here. Okay. And then if you cross over to Canada, just um, diagonally, um, there is an a, 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 the same group of people, but it's missing one person. And that's to um, symbolize that everyone didn't make it over. I'm with you. So we have Belle Isle, which is right there, a uh, hotbed of energy. Um, the whole Detroit River has many, many souls that didn't make it over. And um, downtown Detroit, which is, you know, a vortex of energy, mm. right? Detroit in general, but especially right there mm. is a vortex of energy. So um, I can just imagine. I didn't see it myself. Um, this is hearsay, but it was a big ceremony. That my brother told me they brought an actual slave ship, and he said the energy on that thing was like so diabolically evil. He said he did not want to go onto the slave ship. He said, but they had them go on and play and things like that. I couldn't even imagine seeing that thing because even going to the exhibit at the Charles H. Wright Museum, 
when you go through the um, yeah. Still I Rise, the, like going to the slave ship, even that, going from the slave dungeon on to the slave ship is traumatizing. But um, it's different. It's energy, man. Yeah, it's energy it's there, different. right? It's it's weird. And not not to say, let me go back and say, not to say that hadn't happened. No, I feel you. I feel you. But my research and what I've studied, only I can say only three percent of us experience of our people's experience. Wow, That's I deep. think I I really. I've heard seventy five percent of of the slaves were already here. That's what I've heard. That too. Well, you mean you mean um, people black are, people? Black people are melanated because melanated. you look at sorry yes because you look at for instance, Piper. Mm-hmm. If I education wasn't was well known back then. Mm-hmm. Also, at that time frame, people were darker color. We were we were melanated mm-hmm. people were all over the planet. You could explain mm-hmm. how the Aborigines from right. Australia. Yep. You go through Papua New Guinea. Mm-hmm. You go to the Solomon Islands. Mm-hmm. There are brothers who are dark hair, but some have blonde, some mm-hmm. have rich hair. Even even the go, Polynesians. Polynesians. If yeah. you look at the at King Kamehameha's picture print print. You see him as an older, you know, he was seven foot something tall. Mm-hmm. But you see him, you look and say, "Man, look like my granddaddy right there with, right. The, with the with the gray hair." Even in China, right? Japan, Japan, yeah. in parts of Japan, little southern parts of Japan, people mm-hmm. are of darker color. So mm-hmm. over here, even in the even in Mexico, right? Parts of Mexico, even mm-hmm. with the old Mex, the literally old Mex, everywhere, literally everywhere, 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 everywhere. So for them to say, the "Cream oh, of the planet Earth," right? So you know, and, and you look at the the wars of eighteen twelve, or look at the wars of the Mexican. I mean, look at the uh, French and Indian War, those mm-hmm. old wars back in days and stuff like that. And just researching some things that they taught you in elementary school mm-hmm. or in middle school were the biggest lies they'll ever tell you in Earth. Mm-hmm. And it's easy for me if if I get a slave from Africa, that costs money, mm-hmm. shipping, oh, all I'm that, glad you just said and then that. also. That slave may have may not make it over here. So, but if I see you and you live, you're a Seminole, mm. and you look as dark complected as that slave just came off the boat. All I got to do you, is you'll, you'll know how to work the land. You know how to work the land, and mm-hmm. also at the same time, you, you're dealing with the type of people at that time that were very devious, mm. yep. sick minded, conniving. Mm-hmm. So it was nothing for me to go in that Pir- tr- pirates, pirates, and, or whatever. Yeah. And it's not nothing in that my nature will go and knock her upside her head, right. drag her over, muzzle her mouth, and mm-hmm. say, "Oh yeah, I just got this off this boat over here." Right, 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 right. And she, yeah, she's come, she's come from that Africa there. Mm-hmm. And you know, you corrupt too. I can just pay you some extra fine. Here you go. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's how it happened. And I believe. That's, Tell me that that is more sensible than everybody coming over on the boat. Well, I yeah. mean, I I don't know, but I, but I do believe Ivan Van Sertima. Right. You know, I believe his research. Um, you know, and yeah, so I will I will say that, and it's very uh, interesting that many of us, even myself, you know, are um, indigenous people. You know, the uh, Native American. You know, the so-called Cherokee. Uh, the so-called, you know, black foot and black feet mm. and, you know, uh, various other, you know, uh, native and indigenous people that, um, like, you know, on different sides of my family, you know what I'm saying? And, and in addition to, you know, the fact that like in my family in particular, um, 
there we've been free like for so long there is no actual history of anyone being enslaved right and so my 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 family in particular has you know built the school built the town they own the land Mm. and so they've been free a long long time so um yeah so i mean there's that it's not to say that it that it that is not true or didn't exist it's just that as descendants of slaves it's very difficult for us to trace back well further than right like like so far and then once you get to a certain point as a descendant of slave there is no way there's no record so now they start doing these dna tests and then they tell you oh you're from this part of africa that part of africa right but the mitochondrial dna goes farther than that and the the test is generic to Sub-Sahara, Sahara was a long desert, mm-hmm. and they're talking about going further back. They can't go back that far because the tests are totally different. But that starts to stem off that point on voting. Mm-hmm. When the next census is coming out. Oh, that's going to be deep. That's deep, and that ties into people's, people, okay, if you are black, okay, mm-hmm. what part of Africa are you from? Right. The thing is that this, and people have to understand that is something just to try to tie to take away your lineage or your your heritage from this land over here. Mm-hmm. It's deeper than that. That may say, "Oh, well, you're technically you're not American, so you're not from here." Mm-hmm. So it's putting you in a type of box, and that is something that I think that people need to have more education on. Yeah. When I'm surprised that people are like this young sister's talking about this. Mm-hmm. A lot more people are getting educated about this right now. Right. Well, I would just say it should be by deep. It should be by default because when we look at things on a very surface level, like we laugh and joke, our comedians laugh and joke about how we as 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 black people, whatever, however you however you view yourself, we come in all types from personality levels. We from different neighborhoods. We have different experiences. We laugh with the bourgeois, the 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 pookies and we're all over the place on a surface level. Then you add into it the mix of the whole part of systematic racism is to not to know where your head is from your feet, from your from your parts, from your limbs. So we the whole purpose is to disconnect us. Right. So to even to 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 know that knows that it's okay if you are Muslim. It's okay if you're an Israelite. It's okay if you're right. ancient Kemetic. Right. It's okay because it's probably true. Right. It's mm-hmm. probably true. It's not one of us. So when we understand that as the main mentality that we are all different, not just saying the cliche, we are all different. But when you <laughs> truly believe and understand that concept, then your mentality can shift into understanding that we can do different things differently. We can be different. You know what I mean? It, mm-hmm. it, it, it's a lot. It's, it's okay to start and looking at things on a surface level. It's not, it's so to understand how you sh- can go into and be okay with learning about different things that you were not necessarily told you were worth. Right. Beyond a DNA test, beyond uh, a slave ship or no slave ship, beyond having Cherokee in your blood, whatever. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Mm-hmm. I can totally get what you mean. Well, the other thing too, um, regarding, you know, related to, you know, being civically engaged is all this stuff is tied to economics. Hmm. So like, you know, the so-called slave trade, 
that was tied to that's Girl. completely economic. So and that's how people should look at it. That's the basis of getting the reparations, right? Mm-hmm. Because all these billionaires and millionaires and um all these elites and all these people that's you know uh created the World Bank and you know all these people, you know basically everything was built off of this slave trade. So the railroads. So all these industries that made all these bajillionaires, <laughs> these right. Rockefellers and all these, you know, Coke brothers and all these people that are like got their foot on our necks. Yes, ma'am. That they're the ones that are, you know, got the purse strings currently with this, you know, these elites and things like that to like say, oh, I mean, we need you to say there's no climate change. We need you to, you know, we need you to say this. We need you to say that. So if we really want to take back our power then we really have to use our power. Agreed. Right. You know what I'm saying? We really have to use our power. And and us, you know, standing in this victim, you know, I, I really hate to talk about victim mentality because we are victims in a sense. You know, we're victimized. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I don't. I really don't mean to sound like, a, a, you know, what is it called? Respectability but, politics. But what I mean is, we really need to stand in our power. I love right. that. You know what I'm saying? We really need to be seated and rooted in our power. And there are many ways, like you said, to do things. But in in my opinion, I'm going to be really super honest. Not voting is like dumb as hell. I'm just, I just think that not voting is literally at this point, it's, it's voting against yourself. I think it's an extended statement. I, the first part of what you're saying, the, what you're saying it's true. But I think to make it even more true that it should be extended to not voting and no, and not having an agenda and not following through on the agenda is dumb as hell. That that's just my from my But how can you this is the this is the thing, right? How can you enact any agenda, right? But not participate. And you don't participate. Because these policies, these policies, they're gonna happen to you anyway, whether you participate or not. So if you can have an impact like right now, people say, oh, because I don't vote because of Electoral College. Well, okay, we're not talking about Electoral College right now. Right. We're in the midterm. Right now, we're talking about Senate. We're talking about some real stuff that's going to touch your body. Right now. Like right now. I'm with But it. also, too, <laughs> there are congressional campaigns that are going on right now for the House, the Congress, for the House, the House of Representatives. Yeah. And also for the Senate. Right now, for the first time, you actually got people in Congress who are running for those seats talking about it is time to go in and get rid of the Electoral College. I'm with it. And those are the people that you want to go to. The Electoral College was created because of the Southerners had too many slaves to represent the slave states. And too many, at that time, it, it was always about connected the, to slavery. Because it was always connected to economics. Also, also, you know, it was always been that way. Yeah. So that's why the state, certain states get two points. That's why everybody goes to Iowa, the start of uh, Iowa's a real America. Where only Iowa only has about maybe two million people in total Iowa, where everybody else has a lot more people like that. So it's, it's always connected on systemic racism yeah. and slavery. So to get a ray of that, because the more people, democracy is essentially, you know, this is a republic, but at the same time, democracy is basically mob rule. So it's supposed <laughs> to be like, you know, the majority wins. Yes. We don't have that at all. And two controversial figures who have won without the majority vote have been Republicans. And those two have done damage 
to the United States as the Constitution of America. So you look at that. There's a, that's what the fight is right now. You have billionaires and millionaires that are pretty much right now, they're no longer the majority of the vote. That is going away. So hold on to it. You got to create gerrymandering laws. You got to take people's right to vote. I'm with you. All this is going on because if, it, if, it, if, if they were in control, it really like how they wanted it going, all this was, this would, they would never do this. They would never, no, if, if everything never. was in control. I'm starting to read deeper into what you guys are saying. I'm not yeah, gonna lie. Like, like, right. So are, think about it. If I was in control, oh, okay, yeah, let them do this. So we still got it. It's not a problem. Right. When I start trying to change laws to win, to fix this, mm-hmm. and then frantic and scaring people and stuff like that, that lets, that lets me know the de- desperation is so there mm-hmm. right now that I'm actually happy because, okay, cool, this thing is about to wrap up real quick. Yeah. Let me put the pressure on even more. So are you guys saying voting is a, for sure, chess piece? It's a chess move. Yeah, it's a chess piece. It's a piece. chess move by default. Like, so if you go out and you vote and you vote and you, and you align yourselves with what you were talking, finding the right issues, finding the right candidate, it's, yeah, it, yeah, there's all these other things that can happen, the Rockefellers, these people that ship things. But if you use your power, it's an automatic chess move. It's an automatic, okay. it's an automatic okay. move. Let me explain. Okay, the last election when Barack won, yes. this fake thing called the Tea Party was started. Okay. The Tea Party only truly represents 32% of America. It was a, basically they started as a conservative group that did want it less taxes, bring down the debt, we're, we're conservative, we're libertarian, we're real, we want this, you know, don't tread on me, this libertarian, this true libertarian vote. They were never libertarian. These guys were straight white nationalists that were upset that a black man was in office. Simple as that. Simple as that. They were never social conservatives because guess what? When they got their guy got in and they did the tax let me change the tax law, it, the deficit ballooned. Remember, these guys were so deficit hawks. All of a sudden, they're sipping tea when the deficit goes up. <laughs> <laughs> so they're nowhere to be found. Yeah. So what happens is that 32% of people that actually were the loudest scream and they got out the vote, they changed the trajectory of the Republican Party. Republican Party has always been a globalist, conservative party. So they had a foundation of what they wanted to do. Yep. They created an agenda, and even though there was only 32% of them, they accomplished. That's all. Of them. That's all they did. So the thing is that right now, what they did, right now the Democrats are, the Democrats, the young Dems, this progressive, progressive group is trying to do right now. My issue is with the media, major media, like CNN. They confuse people. Well, they confuse people, but my problem is that they are trying to say this wave. Well, they're being progressive, or they're well, they're a little bit, they're a little bit mean acting. <laughs> well, 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 you 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 hear the talk. Well, you know what Eric Holder said. If they get low, you should kick them. And my issue is, well, he should be saying that in politics and all that and stuff. That see, the news has an agenda. Also, mm-hmm. the agenda is is that. And never in history in the past two years, more people bought the New York Times, Washington Post. You watch the news, like Cat Williams said on this joke, people watch the news like it's the playoffs. Mm. 
right yeah, now. Yeah. You watch the news every day. Let me see what this dude done did. Yeah, every morning. Every morning. So, <laughs> True. if they lose that, people will go back to, oh, shoot. I mean, he's okay, cool. Well, let me go ahead and decompress. I go, I'm not going to watch the news anymore. Right. So the news is, trust me, the producers are sitting there thinking, well, if this dude he does get out of office, our ratings will go down. So, you know, they're asking, mm-hmm. that's why people are asking those questions. But what Eric Holder said, no, we fight back. You don't sit there and take a punch and, well, this is low. We're just going to go and tweak our campaign. It's, no, they're going to go back at them. He said, no, if they get low, we fight back and kick them. Mm-hmm. And we should be fighting back. You should fight back. You can, and I tell people all the time in the meetings we go to about compromising and all that, mm-hmm. working across the party lines, mm-hmm. I cannot compromise with white supremacy. No. Because your mindset no. is to eliminate me. Right. For genocide. Because for genocide. Yes. White supremacist is, for them, they're satisfied when their mediocrity is supreme to my greatness. Mm-hmm. And my children serve them. Right. I cannot negotiate with no. that. They know, ain't no, they, they, we're at war then. Yeah, yeah. Well, like I'm playing devil's advocate. Okay, so you know you talked about the baby boomers. Okay, I'm not gonna go there. This is no, no. another podcast. No, no, it's another, another podcast. Because okay. I, I, I just felt Mama Piper. Like, well, what I was about to say, like I could feel she was gonna rip me apart. No, I won't. Just, say, uh, say what you're gonna say. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, so yeah. this is. I don't know how to say this politically correct. You don't have to. Okay, just say the truth. Civil rights movement. A lot of people I have been quoted saying that when you're living in a space where you have to fight for the fact that you are a human being, that right there should be the that should, right there should be the elephant in the room that you need to get the F on and move in silence completely. You shouldn't even open your mouth. If you, the day you have to tell somebody, like, I can drink from the same water fountain from you, I'm a human, that to me, you already have a problem that is that is beyond an equation or a picket sign or anything. Like, when you have to fight that fight. When you have to say to yourself that that's worth fighting for. So I've said that you know, that maybe our focus, maybe if I could redo it, if I could go back into time, and this is just me hypothetically not doing half the things that Dr. Martin Luther King has done, not doing half the things Malcolm X has done, not even doing a quarter of the things that Black, the Black Panthers have done, or Rosa Parks, or any of them. So I'm not diminishing their work because they're the only reason why I'm sitting right here right now with like-minded people. But I will say that if I could do anything to shift or maybe add something to their movement is to maybe not directly fight for something that we already have and forget all this, all this in this, in this element, in this universe that we already have. Why? There's no need to fight. I am human. I am a human being. There is no need to fight. However, I understand that there may have been a need to fight on a surface level because we were getting killed. We all see videos. We all see, we see the trauma. We all see that. But what I'm saying is, is maybe shift perspective a little bit just to see what could come out of those words that I just mentioned. That the, that the day that you're fighting for something that you know you are, like when your parents say, why are you getting mad? Why, why are you getting mad when a bully is saying this to you? Are you that? And the, and you, and the bully goes, and the kid goes, no, I'm not that. And the parent goes, then don't, then don't let the bully get to you. Well, the bully hit me. Well, I got to hit the bully back if the bully hits me. You know what I'm saying? So along those lines. So all I'm saying is, is we're fighting... There's white supremacy. Yes, it exists. I just got done saying that I know it exists. The whole, our whole foundation is white supremacy. But my question is, is has the, the grand of white supremacy been so deep rooted 
has has it since it's been so deep rooted, is it really is it really affecting us? Because that's a stupid question. It is affecting us. But are is the foundation of white supremacy affecting us more than the white supremacy of today? Yeah. Okay. And the reason why I'm saying it is because it's affecting more because those guys are, are are those guys can make they're making policy. Okay. To affect you. And the difference is that is that back then, I mean, back then, you know, they could openly do that and stuff like that. Nowadays, they're trying to they're trying to go back, but it's a desperation to go back. Understand that there's a group of them that are upset because since 1955, the white birth rate has gone down. I'm with that. It's still going down in tremendous numbers. They're fighting so the inevitable, though. They're fighting the inevitable. And truth be told, if they didn't commit the mass genocides that they did in their past, their numbers would never been Yeah, there. agree. I'm with you. I, so I'm with you. That is another de- that's another detail. That's another conversation you go into. But it's never... That right there uh, is what is going on. And they, that's why you see the fighting going on. You see the fighting. It seems like the... The, for where my frustrations lay, it seems like that we fight certain fights that do pro- but, move but, us progressively. But then, but when also you remember, look, we're not a monolith, right? right? So when we look at history, yes, we did have um, what I want to call integrationists. Yeah. That's a that's a that's a that's a path. Okay. That, but that was just one path, right? Yeah. So one path was the integrationists. Now that had value. Because because of the integrationists, they were able to dismantle many of these systems that are, that allow us to move freely okay. as we move right now. Understood, right. and I agree. And that, but that's the I'm not, I'm not integrationist, right? That's not my personal politics. But I also didn't live in 1955, right? That's all. I'm so saying. I can't really speak to that, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So that's one path. That is how the Black Power movement was birthed, because you had the Stokely Carmichael's. And you uh, coming out and saying, hey, I'm tired of going to the lunch counter and getting bashed over the head. He was a little younger, right, yeah. than Dr. King. So that was the next generation. Like, I'm not going to take this anymore. We're going to fight back. Well, that's where your black power movement comes from. Right. And that's where you. So don't mix the Black Panther Time period with I'm Martin not, Luther King. I'm not. It's it's but, it's secessional. But I'm also, not, too, you know people don't, didn't understand. Also, King's Plan A was a Plan A. Right. There was a Plan B if they didn't right. get the voting rights. Right. A lot uh, and a lot of people talk about that Plan B was all right. Right. We're gonna fuck some shit up. Right. That was Plan B. Trust me. Yeah. King his way was. Nonviolence, understand nonviolence, y'all said nonviolence was a strategy. Right. It is not a and way a of life. And a tactic, yeah. but not a way of life. Right. Because and, if you see the documentary, right. If, if you, or the film, if you, if you ever see, there's a documentary that came out, I want to say around 2011, 2012. I, mean, I don't think I've seen it. There's a King documentary, um, where it shows some of the Super 8 footage from. Right. From those, the, the Alphabet Boys had, say, they released some of that, um, Super 8 footage when they were running and King had security with guns. And the first time when he got shot, they, um, but they, uh, 
you know, showed them, pulled their guns out to protect him. Right. It was when he went, he wasn't supposed to go back, right, to have that talk. He was convinced to go back to have that talk. Initially, that wasn't that 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 wasn't even supposed to happen. Right. So um, I'm saying that to say that within, you know, um, this movement and, and, and strategy and things like that, he had security. They had guns. They were protecting him. That was the whole thing when um, Bayer Rustin went to him and was like, hey, man, you can't be the leader of the nonviolent struggle with armed guards. And he was like, yo, bro, I got to protect my family. So this very, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So, and in addition to that, there were people inside the movement, well, agents and things, who infiltrated him, right? And so um, th- what they were able to um, figure out where they were able to share the plans of what was happening and they were able to dismantle. Like this um, photographer was a CIA agent. From, from within, right? right? So they were able to dismantle from within. And so, um, wow. when, it, so when it comes yeah. to, you know, um, looking at the movement, right, it's not like there was like all this harmony. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to paint that picture, yeah. but the, the 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 biggest thing is is just looking at the what we are fighting for. What uh, looking back at our true agendas and and crafting agendas and trying to understand that my age and wanting to be at Piper's level and wanting to no be no more, we on the same level. What I mean when I say mm-hmm. that is is that I'm not I I don't I'm half my life is not dedicated to my people like how I feel in my heart. Like, but and I'm getting of, there. But this is what I'm, I'm getting saying. there. This is what I'm saying. Those people. Are the same as you. I get it. A no, Dr. No, no. King was placed because of an Ella Baker. Ella Baker was the strategist behind the movement. I'm with you. And Dr. King was a great orator. He I'm was a coming up with them strategies. He could speak. He was cute. And he, <laughs> no, I'm just being honest. I know, it's just right. And when you do these movements, everybody play positions. So King was the one that they chose, right? But it was a lot of people that came together to do this strategy. And, and it was each person doing their part. It wasn't like King agreed. was... I don't want to make it seem like King was so great. And King was great. But, or, but he wasn't greater than you. And you I, don't, I don't think that... And what I want to... I'm just trying to say, like, I want to... I know there there's a role that, I, that, that I'm supposed to play. That, that all of us are supposed to play. Right. And so I think one of the things that I like, my how my brain just naturally works is, is to go back and look at all different types of sides. Like you talked about the slave trade being based on, we should look at it on, from an economic standpoint. And I look back at these time frames, not for to, to, to gauge my emotional levels, but to really look at things for what they were so that I can be in 2019 before 2020. I don't want... I don't want things to be the same for as far as the political climate and what it is now, but how can I change it? What can I do? And I think the way my brain works is just to help build strategy, to help build agenda. And in order for me to do that, I have to look at the agendas that were put in place before me and really question them or not something different. And that's what I want to do. But in order for me to do it, I have to look at things. I don't want to, I'm not going to drive myself crazy, but I have to look at things from more than one perspective. Right. And that is do, and I say to anybody who's doing this work or wants to do this work, no one was born into advocacy or advocacy. Right. No, I wasn't no, born. You? No one was born into advocacy. But also I say this, do what you do. Yeah. What works for you, how you process everything down. Like for me, I'm not a marcher. 
I'm the guy behind the scenes organizing and get things done, put people in the right position. Some people like to go out and go to march. Right. That's not my thing. Everybody but I'm not a less but, but I'm not a less advocate than who Piper or anybody else I'm with is. You. On that, and and, and I, I was think, giving all her a compliment. Right, I'm saying you giving her a compliment. <laughs> yeah. Right, but I think that where you're coming from is that don't get stigmatized or people come at you like, well, you went out there marching. How you ever you know? Right. Mar-? Don't call get called by that. You know yeah. what you do. Yeah. And a lot of movements and how this movement's going on right now. Mm-hmm. I believe it has to be underground. I always say tread silent, tread deep. Yeah. Because any movement that's out in the open. Has been infrastructure. So I, you know, I like for them to see what we want them to see. Understood. I like to see that. Right. Yeah. You know what's going on with the, the brothers down the guerrilla warfare I'm going on. Man. I'm always with the guerrilla warfare. Of course. So <laughs> like so. Let them see what they want to see. But marching is a tactic. There's a tactic. It's just one, one tactic. tactic. Right. It's like you like activism is like going to the grocery store. You understand what I'm saying? You like. An onion is not a meal. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. And marching is like having an onion. <laughs> you, I mean, you could do a lot with an onion. You know what I'm saying? You can saute <laughs> the onion. You know what I'm saying? Grill it. Right. You know what I'm saying? Have it raw, whatever. But it's not a meal. Right. And so, like, that. that's what I'm saying. Marching is one tactic that may or may not always work. Kavanaugh is sitting comfortably right now in his seat. And there was thousands of us out there marching. Right. So it maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. However, what the marching does do is bring awareness. So you have to make a decision when marching works. Mm. Now, there's other tactics. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. And so when then that's why you have to have strategists and strategies. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's not a one size fit all. And there's it, we can't do in 2019 what we did in 1955. And think that we're gonna win, right? Oh, and that's where I, I and that's where <laughs> I say this, and I respectfully say this to those who have led, did this work or led this work, those who are still fighting, either get out the way or. Get moved out the way. That's it. That's not like hearing something. I ain't gonna lie. That's good. <laughs> but because here's my thing. Now, some people who are doing this work or are still passionate, still do the work. Mm-hmm. That's great. You keep no, fighting. You. But even they will say, "Hey, man, I'm I'm a advisory role, and I want people, other people, young people, to do this work and put them in the front fold." Mm-hmm. Now, you got some of the people who are doing this work. Who've been doing this work and they 70, 80 years plus. Yeah. Well, I'm a hip hop caucus. So I'm listening. I'm sorry. Go ahead. And the thing is that you got other generations who can who are my age or even younger, who are dynamic, mm-hmm. who got the pedigree, who have the energy, who got the new tactics. But some of our older generation baby boomers do not want to give up the seat. For some reason, that is my biggest gripe yeah. the issue, and, and that's real. probably why our movement has been stagnant, and has stopped, and has not grown to where we need to grow because people refuse to give up that seat. Right. So we got a lot of work to do. We got a lot of work to do. Like moving into twenty twenty. I mean, so I mean, and then the other thing too is that so 
when we're looking at like advocacy, right? Um, it's funny. There's this one young radical white girl, millennial. She's so hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, that's in the community. And we were at this um, forum or something. And she challenged, um, there's this attorney uh, that his name is Peter Hamer, great attorney, um, civil rights attorney. He's with the um, Damon J. Keith Law Center at, out of Wayne State and the um, Detroit Equity Action Lab, which is another cohort that I'm a part of that does a lot of racial equity work. Um, he um, is there and he's one of our um, staff people that holds it all together. But um, he does some great research. He's the one who, when uh, Monica Lewis Patrick came on and she was talking about mm-hmm. um, the book that they did called Mapping the Water Crisis. Right. Um, he was the one who helped um, support that research that the young people did mm-hmm. where they, um, they took the data um, from the communities to show where um, the overlapping of water shutoffs, housing foreclosures, and um, school closures, how, the, how those were the same neighborhoods and the same people and how that was being done um, strategically. So um, Peter Hamer, he was doing that particular presentation. And it's really, really extensive. He has um, pictures. He has maps. He has graphs. It's color-coded. It's really intense. It's really wonderful uh, research to see. And um, afterwards, it's really inspiring because, you know, when you when you have a conversation, right, like we have a conversation, people say, oh, that's conspiracy theory. But when you actually have data to show, right. like, what's actually happening and you can put it in maps and you put it in real time and you're in a university and you're a white man that's an attorney and you're, and you're the one, like, telling the information, suddenly it becomes truth. But um, so... <laughs> Factual, right? Um, so it's just hilarious because she was gi- he was giving this presentation and she was giving him the flux to say, like, you know, oh, we're you're doing this academic stuff and you know we need to be in the streets and we need to be marching. And I was thinking to myself, like, we need this data, right? <laughs> like, like we're marching, but we need this freaking data. So for me, I see that as a crucial part of the work that needs to be done is, you know, creating um, the data, like taking the data sets and turning it into something that's shareable, right? Because data is boring. Like who wants to read data? But like the way that they took the book and the data and the pictures and the graphic design, like, Mm. and it was done by youth. And so, you know, the youth got a chance to get paid to learn how to do this particular research so now that's a skill set they learn like um gis mapping oh sweet so now they have this as a skill set you understand what i'm saying so when it comes to advocacy i'm using this as an example to say look at all the roles that got played into making this useful tool now that um they brought to various municipalities around the state um to show people because um when we got our emergency manager um, which pretty much toppled our democracy. The same exact thing happened in Flint, right? And which is what created the Flint water crisis when they switched over, right? The water supply. And just going around to Saginaw, to Benton Harbor, you know, to the various places in the state where this is happening. You know where else this is happening? Newark, New Jersey. You know where else this is happening? 
I mean, I could go on oh and God. on and on around the country yeah. and show you how this is happening. <clears throat> Why is this important? Because it's important for us to share information because we're sitting in our little black neighborhood thinking right. that this is happening to me when actually this is a systemic issue that is being replicated everywhere. Shouts out gentrification, same thing. <laughs> right? And so while this is happening to everyone everywhere, there are people who are, like you mentioned, Louisiana. Right. Well, there was people who, like, so for Louisiana, they lost their public school system. Yeah. They have 100% charters, right? right. So all the environmental stuff that they were going through with their water, well, we have delegations that are sharing information with people in various cities in Louisiana, including New Orleans, right? Because right. New Orleans is the big, quote-unquote, big city. But, but imagine, like, when this happens to a big city, those little towns really suffer, mm, right? Right. So um, Those parishes, yeah. parishes, and then what's happening to um, Puerto Rico? We have delegations of people that's been studying with Puerto Rico, dealing with emergency manager, with farming, with food, and now recently with this hurricane. When we did the relief with Houston, you know what I'm saying? Same like thing. same thing. So the more and more now we're looking at, um, <coughs> excuse me, people all over have solutions. If we look to Jackson, Mississippi, Cooperation Jackson, they've got solutions. They've been working for a long time. They were actually able of 20 years of organizing to create and seat Chokwe Lumumba as their mayor. Right. Well, he passed away. You know, God rest his soul. Was, we believe he was taken out. Um, and his son is uh, Chokwe Lumumba Jr. is now the mayor. Right. right. Over there in Jackson. Yeah. So look at all the work that they did with their people's movement assemblies, how they, you know, mobilized people. They got people, you know, informed and they got people invested and engaged. And and this is the work that we're going to have to do. We can actually learn from them yes, right. how to build power. Yes, ma'am. Because that's what we're really. We're not telling you vote for Hillary. Right. We don't care about Hillary. Yes. <laughs> it's not about Hillary. Right. We need to vote for power. Right. We need to build power. And how can we build power? We can build power locally. That's how we start. In our own neighborhood, in our own district, in our own municipality. And we need to look at who it is and what it is that's in our best interest policy-wise. Right. So when we're talking about being in this fight or being advocates or being activists, some people going to be on the front line marching. Mm -hmm. Some people going to be over here working on policy. Some people going to be over here working on strategy. Some people going to be working with the youth. Some people going to be building apps. You understand what I'm saying? Yes, Some people going to be making uh, rap songs. Hey. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like every, every, some people going to be cooking the food. Yeah. Like everybody has their role. You know, hopefully, you know what I'm saying? Like more people can just understand that they feed us this thing like it was all the kumbaya and like everybody was out there holding hands and Martin Luther King was leading and it was a bright, sunshiny day. But the reason that they murdered people in cold blood in public was to put fear into people so that they would never want to have that much power again. Right. Right. So we've, we've, we've also got to be understanding that the media is so powerful we, they figured out, that's how, you know, we had figured out 
we as a collective how to use media. That's why they dressed. Um, cons- that's why they dressed what I would call, um, you know, as dick indignity when they went and marched in the fifties because they knew they were attracting the the, the company of of uh, they were attracting media. Mm-hmm. So that was the strategy. Like, oh, when the world sees that they are attacking these dignified people that are just walking and singing and praying. That's what really moved people. Right. When they saw them sick dogs on people, right? Which media wise was kind of the opposite visual that happened in Ferguson. Mm-hmm. Right? Because we had real time media at that time. So we were able to see something sort of different in Ferguson. Right? We saw the actual peril of, of what was going on with our people in real time. And also we had the respectability politics of, you know, should or shouldn't this have been a person that we stood up for or not. Right. Right. And, and, and it should never be about the person you stand up for. Right. But Ferguson. And I tell people about, about that. I said, no, it was pretty much that was the straw that broke the camel's back. This has been going on in Ferguson for a long time. A long, a long time. time. And then people get to a point where they don't care if he was a pimp drug dealer. Right. Man, you know, I'm sick and tired of this, man. I'm going to... People get tired of it. So even if you look at... uh, Even then at Ferguson, what did they do? They mobilized and they voted. The district attorney, the same district attorney that came out and persecuted... Persecuted Michael. Michael Brown. He came out and persecuted him. Did the case. He was this, this guy was this. He lost his seat. A guy ran against him. The people mobilized and they voted for him. He lost his seat. I hear you. So that's how, for order for change to happen, even with the police, I tell people go to the police police commissioner meeting, run for a police commissioner seat, so you can effectively change that. What does the police commissioner do? Because we always hear about police commissioner, police commissioner. What the police commissioner does is pretty much if anything happens, far as uh, probably police policy. Mm-hmm. So, for like for instance, if someone came in and um, police officer been uh, did some uh, harm to a citizen, they complain about it. Police commission comes to a board of police commission. Police commission can recommend suspension with pay, or man, you get fired, whatever stuff like that. So that's important to run for police commissioner. Go to the police commission meeting because you want. As a citizen, you could complain there. Police commissioners have direct influence over police chief of police and also the police union. Well, I got a question. So let's say I got some felony or let's say I'm, you know, maybe I don't have a felony. Maybe I just, I don't not like police or I feel traumatized by police. How do I feel comfortable enough to uh, go talk to a police commissioner? That is a challenge. Mm-hmm. That's a challenge. That's even a challenge uh, speaking with my son. Mm-hmm. And I have a friend of mine who we I play ball with, you know, grew up with, close friends. He's a police officer. Mm-hmm. And my son, who is six years old, is traumatized about police because he's what he sees on TV, mm-hmm. what kids in school, mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So how is my son is afraid of another black man in uniform? whose oath is protect the neighborhood, how you overcome that. So what you do is you go to, you call a couple of guys. They have um, 
police officers here, and I do say in Detroit, they do have a uh, communication or liaison, community liaison, police officers here. Right, community so, police. Community uh, police. They call it now um, NP, is a neighborhood patrol or yeah, neighborhood, neighborhood patrol. officer or right. something like that. And they also work within some schools. So you can, but they also work in the schools. And what you do is you call them and, you know, you can express your concerns. Hey, man, I, y'all guys scare me. And trust me, and I talk to my friends who are police officers, they hear this all the time. And we talk back and forth about what issues, because they would like to know, because a couple of my friends, they live in Detroit. Mm-hmm. And they see the value of living in Detroit. They live mm-hmm. in the community. So they see that and they ask questions. Man, people, are they treat us like this? I say, here's why. Mm-hmm. And what's going on? And at the main time, you know, people want to be. The situation goes on. You know, he tells me from his background. I said, but people want to feel safe. They don't want to be persecuted. And what mm-hmm. happens is, is that you guys are human, just like that. And just like if we are human, you guys are overworked. You're underpaid. And instead of policing the community, you you look at it as a job or look at it as. I got to come and do this. And then you get apathetic to the community that you're supposed to serve. Mm-hmm. And that's what's happening. Plus the training. The so training also. The training is, the, tr- the training should be a lot more. Mm-hmm. It should be more than six months. Oh, my God. It's only six months for that job? It's only six months. You know, hairdresser. Jeez, you, you so me, it's more important than being an elevator technician where you got to go also, a also, program. Also, there's a mental capacity to be an officer. Right. And I don't think they do a good job. You got a question. Why you want to do this job? Right. And, you know, there has, that's the issue with training and police and all that. Mm-hmm. But there are community officers here that are in the community that you talk to, you talk to, you have those engagement conversations with. I even talked to Chief Craig about the issues in the community and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, we go back and forth. But the issue is, is that, man, you know, mm-hmm. you can't be afraid of someone that looks like you, even though they have a bad day, that's a job they do. Mm-hmm. But you have to express what you have to express. Like, hey, man, you know, this is going on. Because they don't, trust me, they don't know everything. Right. They don't know everything. So, but you have to, it has to take some courage because if you sit there and don't say nothing, you'll be a victim. You right. can't, you, you have to say something. You have right. to go to police. You can do it anonymous if you want to, or you can write a letter. I tell people, if you've been victimized and stuff and you don't want to go to the police officer, man, take it to the Detroit News. Mm-hmm. Talk to your congressman who's in charge of that section. Mm-hmm. Talk to your city council person. Mm-hmm. Precinct delegate. Hey, mm-hmm. man, this has been happening over here. Mm-hmm. here but there's ways to get around it. Okay. And the way of social media going on right now mm-hmm. and understand that people must know how much tax dollars are lost when someone who is a Bad officer does a job. Mm. I'm talking about twelve million dollars, ten million dollars in lawsuit fees. That insurance comes out the city of Detroit. We pay that. Mm. Connected there. Mm-hmm. We pay that. Mm. So when people go in and complain, well, they got to do police to the dollar. You tie it into the dollars. Hey, as a community citizen, I'm paying tax dollars for somebody that is costing this this this, this much of money to our tax base. Right. Then you see civic, then you see council people, you see people who are elected officials connected up. Oh, he is costing money to the tax base. They're concerned about that money. Mm-hmm. 
So with that, because I know we got to wrap up soon. So with that, um, we're going to have Nicole Small on here next week. That's going to specifically talk to us about the, um, the charter mm-hmm. that's opening up. But, um, this, this time around on this election, uh, you said the charter that's going to have implications on what the police chief or. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That the charter is very important. Uh, also, proposal two is very important. So, proposal two, can you just give us the uh, proposal two is about uh, redistricting and drawing of maps. Uh, basically, what it is about is trying to take away any Dem- Democrat or Republican per- uh, party in charge of drawing maps in favor of their party. Okay. And what we want to do is make the maps drawn from a non-political party of independents to actually accurately draw the maps as they're supposed to be represented. It doesn't like, we're on this side of the street. It's District 25. Oh. Across the street, in a little house. We have one house is District 22 because that house is a Republican. And these houses are Democrats. Oh, my God. And that's what gerrymandering is. They draw these districts up. To their voting base. Mm. So the last election, more people out came out and voted voted Democrat. Well, then Michigan is different, more Republican. But in this area, more people voted. Say, for instance, they voted more Republican, and Republicans only picked up two seats, but Democrats picked up nine seats because the districts were drawn up to benefit Democrats. And, and so Republican. then, with this, so with this election, just to be clear, what how? Like, how can, let's say, like, me and Brittany, when we go vote, how, like, what, how can we have an impact on that? How can you have an impact on it is that when you go vote, what you're saying to yourself is, I want an independent person. My voice is being heard, number one. Number two is, I want an independent person to redraw the digital lines up that actually supports what Michigan looks like, mm-hmm. a multiverse looks like. So it's not drawn on party lines. Mm-hmm. It's drawn on if more people came out to vote, I vote for a representative that is in my district, mm-hmm. not chopped up district, not trying to electing, electing a majority minority where all the black people live on this one side. Well, we're all the black people in one district and majority of white people vote for this one. So we'll have we'll have representation of of, uh, of African-American at the legislative, but only two where the whole district is a multicultural. Would, mm-hmm. would you say that that's important with the change in demographics of Detroit in the last... Yeah, that's important in, for the change in the demographics of Detroit because someone could draw up only a portion of downtown and that downtown District 22 or something like that, I'm just naming the district stone mm-hmm. out there, could be only white district and it could be Republican, but it doesn't represent the city as a whole. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm talking about. Whereas you draw the district lines, like you live in 48201, <laughs> 48201, mm-hmm. like, you know, nothing connected with down river and all mm-hmm. that I'm stuff with like, you. like that. So that's important. Mm-hmm. Um, the one, the cannabis is on the ballot to legalize marijuana, recreational, recreational, recreational mm-hmm. drug. Um, that is initiative to bring in more state dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, every state I've been to that has that, mm-hmm. you see the impact of that state. What do you mean by that? Well, I mean by that you actually see where the dollars are going to. I'm sorry. Do you, is that positive or negative? Positive. Positive. Okay. Positive. I'm concerned with Michigan is that the states I go to that have that understand the true sense of regionalism. 
They understand that all communities are important, mm-hmm. all working together. Mm-hmm. Michigan does not have that. We we still highly segregated. We're very highly segregated. In Detroit because itself. Detroit itself, and also, also people make money off of that. Right. So mm. the criminalization, criminalization of mm-hmm. it, and Michigan is itself has suffered from that. Mm-hmm. And I, I think people have to die off, or you know, people have to take political power to make that a true sense of regionalism to actually understand that. Mm-hmm. But we're still we're still fighting that. So I think we'll benefit from it, but I won't see the imp- we won't benefit like it is. There's Washington. more work to be done. I yeah, it's more, yeah, there's more work for work to be done culturally and uh, mentally mm-hmm. as far as that. Because if I say if you're still if you're if you're a racist or someone that is, <laughs> you know, you're that is a mental that is a mm-hmm. that is a um, depressing mental issue. I, I, yeah, yeah. So, okay, so, and then what's a couple of other things that we need to uh, be aware of? Uh, to be aware of um, is, you know, basically the governor races up, governor governorship is going up, the Senate is online. Um, also, you have the precincts, I mean, uh, state delegates, state congressional, that is important to take back the state house and the state legislator. I mean, the state, you know, Senate house and state legislator, try to take that back in the house of, of uh the state of Michigan. Um, we saw what happens when you don't do that. Uh, the, uh, the voter, uh, I'm sorry, the uh, emergency manager, when people overwhelmingly came out and voted against it. Right. And in the middle of the night, the legislature put it into uh, Michigan, uh, uh, Congress, it put it into the Constitution so it's hard to take it out. Right. Up outright. Mm-hmm. So, we need the legislature to go in and take that out. I'm with you. Mm-hmm. And also put laws in place so they both parties cannot, uh, you know, you know, just play. go back and forth like right, that. right. Let's pet, take that out. Period. So that's what. Uh, There's a lot of stuff on the ballot, right? They said it's going to be four pages front and back. I don't know if it'll be four pages here, but I know There's that a lot, a lot of stuff on this ballot. Uh, a lot of initiatives and a lot to vote for. But we need people to just, like, go out. This is a really important election right it's now. It's not about Michigan. Would you say, Piper, it's not about really people. It's more about policy. It's about policies. Yeah, it's about policies. So if I will tell anybody else, uh, there is a couple of sites on their, um, on their michiganvoice.org is one. Mm-hmm. You can learn about the policy, uh, policies of each policy that's going on the ballot in each mm-hmm. district. And the People's Platform. And the People's Platform has another great one, too. Mm-hmm. As you go online, you actually see what district you're in in the state and see what's on that district. The thing is thepeoplesplatform.org and it's michiganvoice.us. Voice .us. Mm-hmm. And you go online and see what's on that ballot. Because each precinct, each you know, district has a different person running mm-hmm. and stuff. But the state ballots will be consistent the same. And the thing is also um, uh, mi.gov forward slash vote. Right. Mm-hmm. And some of your typical Democrat, Republican sites also have sites on your state also. So, so. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so I mean, I told, uh, I, this is, this might be the election. This is a very, 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 very important election. I visualize that. Mm-hmm. It's a very, very, not just cliche, but. Yeah. This yeah, is yeah, it's really important. Yeah, for the state of Michigan. For the for state sure. of Michigan. Uh, and Detroit. I think Detroit. this podcast will, will open that up. The last few will open that up about why this this one is 
This one is deep. This is this was this was this deep. As you saw what happened with the uh this past week <clears throat> with you know with the Supreme Court, uh elections have consequences. Mm. And it voting matters. If it didn't matter, then ask the guys who the dreamers got deported, people who've been here for 30, 40 years, mm. working jobs, mm. and you know, no felonies whatsoever. But all up and sudden, ICE is deporting them because of a policy or kids separated at the border, taken from their families, not being reunited. Put in cages, lost. Put in, lost in the system. Mm-hmm. Someone's able to go and adopt them, not trying to find their parents. Mm. So that's what we're talking about, and they're they're not citizens. So right. you could be a child adopted, stay here for thirty something years, and still get deported. Yeah. Can I ask you a question, uh-huh. real quick? You're you you know you're from the hip hop you're from the hip hop caucus. What is the importance of hip hop being in that title? Well, the importance of hip hop being in that title is that we have been leading. Hip hop has led the culture movement for the past thirty to forty years. Hip-hop has always been progressive. Mm. Always, in the sense we've always been... Hip-hop has always been aggressive. Hip-hop, the culture has always been opening and non-judgmental. Mm. We take our returning citizens. <laughs> we take the killers, those who are on the street, those who are there. Hip-hop culture, if not saying is embracing, but... Where they come from, they speak a story of what's going on in our community. Negative or positive. I mean, you know, we've always been embracing for other cultures, uh, everything. We've never been judgmental. Like someone who is white from a risk crack, if he can spit and flow, we take him. Come on. There's somebody from the bottom gutter or whatever that did all type of, I think we, only, we draw the line on kids. But, like, if those who, some of those who have murdered, sold drugs. Who were from Canada you know, and was on Canada a show Road. called Degrassi. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody like that it was on Degrassi. If you can spit, we'll take you. So, hip-hop in itself is a diverse, has always been diverse as culture. But it started from us. We've always been there embracing people. You know, we always ask a question. We always look at you strange. Can you spit? <laughs> you know, we look at you, but once you, if you value a person, we'll come in and we always embrace you. And, you know, hip hop has done that. Hip hop is one of the, one of the musics that genres that open for women. Mm. It took a long time, but women now have, like, you know, they objectified at first, but now women for MCs, well, it's still, well. Well, if we look at <laughs> I'll let you, I'll well, let if you. we look at mainstream, we could say that. But if we look at hip hop as a whole, there's plenty. Of yeah, that. yeah, it's been like as a whole. When it first started, it was about the craft. Now mainstream, yes, but at the same time, we still embrace those in hip hop. We always there's been a ab- place for everybody. There's a place for everybody, and that's the thing. Where as the voting matters, there's a place for everybody. We are empowering those who feel that you get hit first. And there's a place for that person in the hip-hop culture. It means we're speaking, hip-hop has grown so vast, it's international, it speaks multiple languages now, and that is a place for everybody. And that's when we're, when we're talking about voting, there's a place for everybody in that voting, in, that, in, in this in, in this 
in this culture, in this thing we call America, this melting pot we call America, there's a place for everybody. And it should be a voice in our politics and our policy also for everybody, not for the few, not for the elite, but for everybody. Mm-hmm. And that is the importance of hip hop now. I mean, and I think that, you know, it's a good vehicle for our voice to yes. people to speak out. Very much so. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, that's the wrap off right now. Yeah. So, you got anything else, Brittany? Any got last the, words? They got the right person, man. Oh, <laughs> got the right person. Yeah, appreciate at the head. I love, at the helm, like yeah, I right? said, I love the millennials. Mm-hmm. I love y'all. I love y'all energy. I love, you know, y'all keep doing y'all thing. You know, because everybody got something to work on, you know, but y'all keep doing y'all thing, man. man. Y'all find it. Y'all, y'all generation too. Y'all are the hip hop babies. Uh, that's what y'all name should be. It's hip hop. The hip hop. The, the hip hop <laughs> babies. The hip hop boomers. <laughs> boomers. <laughs> so, uh, uh, what about you? Any any last words for you, Norm? Uh, last words for me are November six. Vote if you can't vote November six. Absentee ballots. You could do that on your work off day of your off time. You go in and you go in to vote. Vote absentee ballot down there on West Grand Boulevard, right there at the city clerk's office. You can ask for absentee ballot and vote. You don't have to give a reason. If you don't give a reason, hey, I ain't going to be here. Vote. You have to vote. It does not matter. You got to vote. November 6th, Tuesday, election day. Again, if you can't make it there, it's Monday. It's weeks before you can vote. You got to vote. It is necessary and it's your right to exercise your right. Remember, last thing, they work for you. Trump works for you. Everybody works for you. The elected officials work for you. You don't, you don't have to kowtow or bend the knee. They work for you. Remember that. So, and then how do folks, um, connect with the, um, Detroit chapter of the, um, hip hop conference? Uh, connect with Detroit chapter is you go on, on our national organization website at hiphopcaucus.org. You can register there and it will connect you, your zip code will connect you to our office. Uh, you'll probably be contacted with LeBron in the email, or myself in the email, and we'll shoot you some, some information. Um, anything you, we could do to help you or be connected or you want to volunteer for this work, you know, let us know and we'll get you started. Okay, that's what's up. And, um, and, and what's the website? Hiphopcaucus.org. Okay, that's what's up. And um, right now, there's you'll see like lots of campaigning going on from the um, hip hop caucus. You know, respect my vote, and you know, just different celebrities, different hip hop artists that are, uh, you know, working with the caucus to make sure to get the word out to the community. Right. And so, um, with that, you know, we're also doing the door to door stuff. We are. So you'll probably see us at your door knocking. Uh, so answer the door when we come. Please, answer the door or not. I will have a shirt on. I'm going to right now call National to get us some sweatshirts, a little cold outside, some Mm -hmm. swag. We'll have a buttons, let you know who we are. And they can get involved too, right? Yes, they can get involved too. Yeah. Uh, We definitely need some energy out here to keep the work going. So, uh, again, we will definitely contact you and, you know, we'll... Come door to door knocking. We'll be McDonald's, a couple of spots where y'all going to be at. I know there's a Cassie King football game coming up this week. Hey. You will, yeah, you. Where's it? That thing's at Renaissance High School. Oh, nice. 
Yeah, so we're gonna have definitely have some people out there giving out. Hey, make sure you guys eighteen and up go out there and vote. So, so you have. I, I I'm gonna leave it there. So you've been listening to the um, Piper Carter podcast. We really appreciate you coming on here, Norman Clement from Hip Hop Caucus Detroit chapter. We appreciate you, Brittany, Always. and um, we also appreciate you, our uh, new engineer over there, Mr. Jira. Uh, you know, this has a, been a wonderful addition. You're up late, uh, <laughs> helping us make sure we sound good. Um, and keep listening. So, what's your email, Brittany? Brittany at Detroit is different, and I'm Piper at DetroitIsDifferent.com. And you can um, check me out on the social media at Piper Carter. Um, they're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Probably a little bit too much. But, uh, yeah, so hopefully <laughs> we'll, um, you know, we'll be here every week. You know, we appreciate you. Um, we want to see you guys out there voting. This uh, month of October, I'm going to call that call this the month of voting. And, um, yes. you know, because all month we're, you know, bringing you information about voting on this podcast Tell your friends to listen to the podcast. Share the information. It's important information. We do the best we can to bring you the best and the brightest and the most awesome guests. And we'll see you next week on the Piper Carter Podcast on Detroit is Different. Remember to like, share, subscribe, and always listen on Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Store, and Spotify. You're listening to the Detroit is Different Podcast yep. Network. Showtime, like the present perception is just it. Left back in the dust, the old us. It's a must, I bust, it's just too true. Blues traveling, baffled in a dark space, waiting on the spark. Face forward, face down. I can't drown, rock a crown full of crystal. Got a pound and a pistol. Got down just to get her, get up and see it through. Been a quitter, had to tip up on my next move. Bless you, baby, oh shoot. Control cruise, bag lady, drop two. Few feelings in my eyes, welling, yelling, nigga, make it chew. Bake a few, had to step up on a steady groove. Testimonial, I'm only on my own views. I'm only on my own views. Check who, chest moves, baby, bless you. Got a feeling if I wear it, you can see it too. Unbelievable, we unaccountable. Insurmountable two cents. The doubt and what you spit for me, it just ain't meant to be. Got blessings in my pedigree. You don't get it, then just let it be. It's relativity, I'm boxing with the best of me. The rest of me is just a dream. This little light beam. So when you see me, let it ride. So when you see me, let it ride. Time ticking, 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 it's taking away. Ticking away, away, slipping the way. Don't let it catch you, slipping, slipping, slipping away, away, slipping away, away. Time change. Time ticking, 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 it's ticking away. Ticking away, ticking, ticking away. Don't let it catch you, slipping, don't let it catch you, slipping, slipping, slipping away. Time change. Time change. Time change.